stop laughing, Dave. This, this is the part where I say hello and welcome to the Red Mountain, Red Mountain Community Church podcast, where you can hear conversations with the people of Red Mountain Community Church as we pursue Jesus together. Each episode highlights what God is doing in someone's life or a specific theme in light of what God has revealed in the Bible. I'm Peter Franson from Spirit Blade Productions and your fellow seat warmer at Red Mountain Community Church. My co-host today is Dave Amy, our pastor of family and community. That's right. Isn't I had to look that up on the website. Yeah, they keep changing my titles. Did so. they? Did I'm you glad s- you reminded me of it, because sometimes I forget myself. <laughs> did you start out as like men's ministry? I think of you as the men's ministry guy. It was guy. like marriage marriage and family, That's right. and then I do uh, men's ministry and, uh, and now you're caring pastoring, ministry. Now and, you're pastoring the whole community, it sounds or, like. Or something, yeah. So I, you got to <laughs> compare paychecks with Kyle, because he's just preaching, uh, you know, and you're pastoring just, the whole community. We just get a couple more pieces of candy. That's right. <laughs> Um, okay, so we'll, yeah, let's circle back around to candy. Um, but first, uh, you got two smells you can choose from. Okay, okay. I got this from uh, our, I guess we call her our, one of our producers, Arian Rossi. Oh, uh, very fancy. This little little uh, contemplative <laughs> question here. You can only choose two smells. Okay. okay I'm going to read a list of, of smells. You choose two. Like that, I would smell like for the rest of my life. That's and I the lose big question. The I, it's not clear to me. Oh, let's here. Let's do this. This is what Arian does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it didn't <laughs> seem like it was as devilish as like you can only smell these two things. But I'm going to add that because that makes this the more awesomer. So you have to, you can only smell like this is what you you'll constantly be smelling one of these two Forever. smells for the rest of your life. Oh, okay. Man. In your resurrected body, you'll be healed of this affliction. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but for now. But for now. Okay. Fresh cut grass. Ooh. Homemade bread. Strong coffee. Freshly washed sheets. Dark chocolate, garden dirt, campfire, gasoline, oh man, new books, old books, leather boots, and right before it rains. Oh, I would, uh, I'm a big coffee guy, so coffee for sure. And then it would be a toss up between grass just because being from the midwest mm. you don't have a whole lot of that here in arizona mm. um may i'll just go with those two coffee and grass coffee and grass oh i wouldn't i, I could or I bread the bread the oh, bread was no dude that's no? A, you're making a huge mistake you're going to gasoline or, <laughs> <laughs> like hey. i don't think you could do that very well, long I peter <laughs> i hadn't thought about gas well if i'm just smelling it and not actually inhaling it's the like fumes. sharpies right like <laughs> that's right. oh sharpie smells so good well here's my th- here's my thinking about the homemade bread is because that sounds at, at a glance like a wonderful yeah. thing but like what if you're smelling that and you're like hungry at some point and you're oh. not able to eat it. You're just always smelling it. But but in many cases, you're going to be denied the homemade bread. Oh. So there's affliction Maybe. within it. I definitely am not choosing old books. If it's old books in the sense like an antique bookstore, that's one thing. But if it's old books like, yeah, this is the one we keep in the in the John so that you have oh, something to read yeah. while you're in there for a while. That's you know, it's like I don't, I don't even want to like think about touching books that have been in those kinds of places. <laughs> So, like, what are those books like? <laughs> there are books that are specifically marketed to be, you know, toilet reading. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, what would a person do if they see that in a used bookstore? Uh, Could you ever sell that at a used bookstore? Well, you got to wonder, horrifying. too, like, you're, you're not carrying in, like, the best germs in the bathroom. And yeah. if everybody's touching that book. Oh, yeah. Man, you made me rethink, like, Oof. actually picking that book up. I would go... Um, <laughs> Jeez, Louise. 
I guess I'd probably go with freshly washed sheets. It's not a favorite smell of mine, but I, okay. looking at this list, I just want something that's not going to be intrusive in my life. So I guess freshly <laughs> washed sheets and um, new books, I guess. Okay. Ugh. Anyway, let's talk about something that's much more enjoyable to uh, partake of okay. in terms of our senses, and that's candy. Sure. So, do you guys give out candy for Halloween? Uh, we do. Do you, like, what, what kind of candy do you give out? Do you go for, like, we're just going to buy the cheapest thing and get through this, or are you like, we buy with leftovers in mind? Well, we just buy, like, those mega bags that have, like, a variety. Okay. But growing up, my parents' house was down this long driveway so kids were afraid to come to our house okay so we never passed out candy hmm. but then we moved to a neighborhood where like everybody like did halloween hmm. and we were like this is exhausting yeah because like you had to go to costco and buy just buckets oh boy because and it was non-stop yeah. so it like never ended yeah um so here in arizona um we usually try to go to somebody's someone else's place okay and then so we don't really have to engage in it and we're to those people that put like the bowl out front gotcha but we don't say like take one because let's be honest they're like, never gonna take, gonna take yeah. one they're just gonna take as many of the kind they like <laughs> that's right and then it's just like when it's done it's done yeah so we haven't been egged yet so i okay. think we'll just keep rolling <laughs> so oh but knock on wood i guess it could happen this year we so. always buy with leftovers in mind and this year there was like it was kind of a it was really something of a miracle. <laughs> Our local fries, um, the one on the Wrecker and, no, no, the church is on Wrecker and McDowell, but the, the closest right. one to the church, you know, the one I'm talking about. Yeah. They, for some reason, like about three weeks to a month ago, had these five packs of full-size Reese's peanut butter cups, those big, wow. long five packs. They they had a ton of them and, and other kind of Hershey's candies like Kit Kats and things. Um 29 cents for a for a five for a pack what? of five i know and it was in the back of the store and i i was in there i can't remember for what uh and i'm really tr been trying to avoid carbs for a while that's really been a thing that's been working for me but peanut butter cups are like my favorite candy and okay. i saw those and i'm like i am in so much trouble <laughs> do you put them in the fridge um well i don't know where holly put them i i bought i mean like two of those big plastic crates. No, 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 it was one. It was just one full plastic crate, like yeah. mounded full of mostly those big five packs. Yeah. Um, so it's like an insane amount. I was going to like take a picture of me like laying down in them and, you know, <laughs> and then put that online or something. Instead of leaves, you're covered in Reese's. But then I thought we'd never get rid of any of them for Halloween if people saw what, yeah. where they'd been. But um, but I told Holly, you've got to hide these. We're Because I bought them for Halloween candy to give yeah. away. Because I was like, this is the best deal, you know. Uh, oh, yeah, that's insane. And so they've been hidden in the house for weeks now. Wow. And I don't know where they are. <laughs> but we, I am confident we are still going to have a lot left over. And mm. I just... Um, um, I think I might even try to scare some kids away because that's just, that's an incredible find. Yeah. That could last me for, I don't know how long. But the tricky thing about Arizona is it's so warm. Like I always get nervous about anything yeah. chocolate. So that's I true. always tend to go for like hard candy mm. or like Twizzlers. Now I guess Twizzlers could melt too, but like, yeah. I feel like whenever you get a candy bar, like you have to eat it instantaneously or it's yeah. already melting like on the way to the, that's true that's true well maybe i'll ask holly and she'll say oh they're all melting i'll say oh shucks we'll put them in the freezer i'll eat them eventually <laughs> <laughs> all right well i'm supposed to remind you now you can uh, message us on instagram or facebook with suggestions for fun things that we could do or talk about before the interview so if you were bored with all this let's see you do a better job uh but for, <laughs> for now <laughs>
<laughs> that was a little passive aggressive. For now, no, no, there's nothing passive about it. Come maybe, at me, bro. Maybe just aggressive. <laughs> That's right. All right, we're going to move things along for now, though. And in, uh, I guess in some kind of, I should come up with some kind of transition that factors in Halloween. We spoke to one of the undead back from the dead. That's really, that's, in, that's, that's really in that's poor taste, but that is creepy. But, but we did talk to somebody who has an amazing story that does have to do with uh, death. And that's Drew Thorpe. Uh, Dave and I talked about, uh, talked with him about his uh, really close brush with death and the effect that it's had on him and uh, the other people involved. So uh, here's that conversation now. I hope you enjoy it. Well, Drew, thank you so much for doing this. Your face looks familiar to me, but we're, we're just big enough of a church that, like, I, I mean, I don't think we've ever uh, talked before, but thank you for coming and doing this. No, nah, great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, before we get into kind of like the, the main meat of what we're going to talk about, I just want to get like a snapshot of you a little bit. Um, can you give me like a brief rundown of uh, when you came to faith in Jesus and just kind of how you became connected at Red Mountain? Sure. Yeah. Uh, growing up, you know, kind of a leave it to beaver type childhood, you know, uh, we went to church on Sundays, but frankly, I don't remember even as a child, you know, really strong connection with Jesus and that, but we went to church every Sunday. Um, I don't, you know, the, our house wasn't necessarily what you would think of as a strong Christian, but you know, I don't know if it was my parents, you know, it's just, we go to church on Sundays. Well, yeah. we do. Um, so got into high school, you know, still going to church. One of our, one of my buddies from high school has moved into the area, played football with him. His dad was a pastor of a Presbyterian church. So I started going to that. Uh, got into young life in high school, okay. um, and that's where really things kind of started, you know, you know, awareness for me. But at the same time, I was kind of in that high school thing, you know, got into a little bit of the partying. This was like my junior year in high school, and you know, wasn't really going down a great path. Um, actually, had some, you know, that, you know, high hormone, you know, independence you know, frustrations that, you know, a lot of teenagers go through going on. And, you know, I wasn't in a great spot, um, but I had signed up for Young Life Camp. Um, hadn't been before. And so that summer um, went to that and it was, that was where, you know, my life changed. That's where, you know, I came to know Jesus. I remember committing, you know, to him on the rooftop of the cabin, staring up at the sky after one of the big, uh, you know, group sessions, you know, worship sessions that we had. And uh, so that was, you know, that's very vivid and uh, point in time when I remember that, you know, and my life really did change quite a bit at that point. Um, now, I won't say that I bore a tremendous amount of fruit over the next, you know, several years, went off to college, kind of got back into the college life and some of those, you know, things. But, you know, I, I reflect back now and I think, man, God just had me in his hands because he protected me through a lot of potentially really bad scenarios, um, kept me from making some bad, certain bad decisions, mm -hmm. you know, even though I wasn't necessarily right on the right path with them. Um, got married, uh, started having, you know, kids and family. Uh, we went to church. My wife grew up in you know, uh, the southwest side of Grand Rapids, Michigan. 
uh, we're both from Michigan, both from Grand Rapids, but she grew up in the Southwest side, which was kind of the, the Christian reformed side. So, you know, the, they were a lot, it was a lot more of a religious, um, area of town. Okay. So she grew up and, you know, the expectation was we're going to church as a family, which was like, okay, yeah, I did that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we did, you know, we tried a couple different churches, but you know, none of them really clicked for me. Um, and then, you know, as God often does, he kind of got our attention. My wife was diagnosed with cancer in 2000, hmm. um, went through chemo, radiation, and that. She's been cancer-free for 21 years. Praise God. You know, it's, you know, he uh, really worked some his miracles in that whole ordeal. But he also used that to bring us back closer to closer to him and closer to the church. Hmm. We had been going to a Baptist church uh, by our home. Um, at the time and we were you know again just we were attending but not really engaged and from that point on we really started getting much more engaged and you know started growing and and that's probably where my relationship really started growing more as well so you know for the last you know 20 years it's been you know kind of on that climb Um, we still were attending that church when we moved here in 2015 uh, and I actually came out about three months before my wife, she stayed back, sell the house. My son was getting married, so they had a bunch of preparations and stuff. So I came out in uh, end of April, beginning of May, and moved into a rental house just over in Alta Mesa over here. And she said, all right, your first job is to go find a church. So the first Saturday... I Wait, moved hang in. on. When you say April, May, you mean just this last April and May? No, no, no. 2015. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. We've been here about six years. Okay. So... Uh, yeah, that for I moved into the house on a Saturday, and you know I was driving around the area just trying to get familiar with it. Yeah. And I remember driving by Red Mountain um, as I was driving around, but I had found a church right down the road from where we were renting. It was the Brown Road Baptist Church, and I was okay. like, "Oh, we came from Faith Baptist Church in London, it's, you know, in Michigan." Right. It's like, "Hey, that must be an omen," <laughs> kind of thing. So you know, they had a ten o'clock service. I was like. Perfect. So got up, drove down there, went to pull in the parking lot at like 10 to 10, and there wasn't a car around. Oh, I'm man. like, what? And then I happened to look, and there's like this big commercial for sale sign on the building. And I'm oh. like, huh, all right, maybe that wasn't a sign. But, <laughs> so then I started thinking, all right, now what am I going to do? And I thought, well, I remember that one. So I kind of got Google Maps out. I didn't remember the area real well so i started looking and said oh there it is red mountain looked up got on the website oh 10 30 service perfect and that was you know the first sunday here came in bob was preaching loved it loved the message and i got out of church went home or on the ride home called my wife and said i found the church we're mm. we're good mm. and uh so yeah so we've been coming here ever awesome. since so. oh cool yeah. So, like you mentioned that you had kids. How many kids do you have? We have three. Okay. So, and about what stage of life are they? You said one is one married now. They're all married okay. and all in family growth stage right now. It's okay. Been, actually, it's been a, you know, the last few years have been, like, very productive. Um, we have five grandchildren now, three of them new this year. So, each of my kids wow. had um, a child this year. So, kind of, you know, following, you know. They took COVID seriously and stayed home, I guess. But, you know, but uh, yeah, it's been, 
just a whirlwind year. It's been crazy. Wow. I mean, I, I don't know that I would ask for three more in the same year again. <laughs> um, my Amazon account has taken just a bashing, you know, and that. But it's been, yeah, it's been absolutely wonderful. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I've got my oldest daughter and her husband and my now two granddaughters. So, my latest granddaughter just came Thursday. Um, wow. Coral Juanita. And uh, so my wife flew out yesterday to Virginia to spend a couple of weeks with them to help with the baby and that. But they're in they're in Richmond, Virginia. Um, my son and his wife, after we moved down here in 2015, they moved down here about two years later um, and live in Flagstaff. Nice. They just had their first son in April. Uh, but now we just found out they're moving to Spokane, Washington. Um, his wife took a job up there. So we're bummed about that, yeah. you know, but, uh, you know, it's a two and a half hour plane ride versus a two and a half hour car ride. So yeah, know, six of one, half dozen. The other. <laughs> and then my youngest daughter and her husband and my two grandsons are down in Maricopa. So okay. they're the closest. We see them a ton. And uh, so, yeah, it's. Grand grandparenthood is awesome. I will say that it's like it's all the joys of being a parent without all the problems of being a parent. So, That's what I hear. That's yeah. what I hear. Looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, so are, um, are you retired? You don't you don't look old enough to be retired. So no, what, what actually, yeah, we moved down here in 2015 for work. Um, I was work. I work for APS, the utility company. Okay, um, I'm a manager in our uh, kind of our finance area. Uh, I was working for a similar utility up in Michigan at the time. A friend of mine that I worked with had moved down here. She got married and her and her husband had moved down here. She went to work for APS and, you know, she called me up like six months after she got here and was like, Drew, you got to come down. You'd love it. And I'm like, no, no, no. I have no desire to move to the <laughs> desert. And, you know, I didn't, not knowing really much at all about Arizona at the time. Uh, she kept bugging me, you know, over the next couple months. And finally, she called in January and said, well, they want to fly you down just to come check it out and check out the company. And, you know, Michigan, January, by this time, we're already getting pretty sick of the snow. I'm like, all right, they're going to fly me down for a week in February in Arizona. Not a bad gig just for <laughs> even yeah. if it's just a vacation. So we did. My wife and I came down actually just fell in love with the area we we mm. spent the week driving around um a lot of time out in the superstitions mm. and that's how we ended up on this side of town just because we really loved we did some hiking out there went up to canyon lake i mean we were mm. you know it's it was the first week of february the super bowl is actually in town that that weekend you mm. know uh we flew out sunday and the plane was empty because everybody was already here for the super bowl <laughs> But, um, you know, it was like 80 degrees. We're driving around in a convertible Camaro, you know, when everybody back home's getting 18 inches of snow. So it was like that had a that had a little impact on our decision <laughs> yeah. to move down here. But yeah, we've been here since. Yeah, since 15. Absolutely love it. You know, especially, you know, days like today and this time of year when when that weather is just, you know, so perfect. So nice. Nice. Well, let's get into this. Uh, this. Uh well, this whole story here is really interesting. I, what little I know about it. You, I'm told, had this really close call uh, while whitewater rafting where something kind of amazing happened. So can you just kind of go ahead with that? Tell that story, and, and maybe I'll ask some clarifying questions along the way, but I just kind of want to hear, hear you go at it and tell me. 
Sure. Yeah. It. Uh, I mean, it all started actually several years ago. Um, we had, well, way back in the '90s, we had a family reunion in Colorado, and a bunch of me and my cousins and my brother and and them all went whitewater rafting down the Royal Gorge and had a blast. So that was kind of our indoctrination into whitewater rafting. Is like, yeah. And then, you know, ten years later, we we're in Minnesota. We did another whitewater rafting trip there. So. I've got a bunch of cousins here in Arizona, and we went on a rafting trip down the Salt River probably about six years ago now. I think it was like 2015, 2016, something like that. And the water level was really low. It was kind of more of a floaty ride, you know, nothing real <laughs> exciting. And, you know, our guide was like, well, if you want to, you know, if you want to experience some really great whitewater, you ought to come up to the Animus River in Durango, you know, in June when the when the snow melts run. And he says, that's best whitewater rafting in the West. Hmm. So that got in my cousin's head, my head, my brother's head. And we're kind of like trying to figure this out. Well, finally, about three years after that, you know, my cousin calls me and says, I just booked you know, a two-day trip down the Animus, you know, for the, you know, in June. So know. we're in 2019 now, June 2019? Is, yeah. Okay. 2019. And uh, <clears throat> so I called my brother who's in Michigan said, hey, dude, you in? He's like, yeah, we're in. So we all, so my cousin and his son who had just graduated from college, my brother, who's actually 12 years younger than me, and then myself went up um, and did a two-day rafting trip. It actually got pushed back a month because the snow snow melt was so high that year, mm-hmm. um, or the snow snow level was so high that they couldn't run the river for like a month because it was just so high. Even when we got there, it was still running above safe runnable levels. There was parts of it that we couldn't even run, but mm-hmm. you know we got on it. But it was epic trip. You know it was great. You know stayed on the river overnight. The se- you know between the first and second day, mm-hmm. and then the second day we ran the bottom bottom half of the run, and it was just it was incredible. Even the guides were going crazy. It was just mm-hmm. like some of the best conditions for rafting. <laughs> so it was exciting. We got out. You know in the Animus runs between Silverton and Durango, which is like pure wilderness. There's no, you know, in between there. The only thing, the only way in and out of that is the train. There's a narrow gauge train that runs along the river the whole way up. Uh, so the rafting crews, you know, they put in at Silverton and then the train picks them up kind of halfway down is like the end of the run. So, you know, we got out, you know, we finished the bottom of the run on the second day, pulled the rafts out and broke all the equipment down. We're waiting for the train to come and basically pick us up. So all the stuff's piled next to the tracks and, you know, what train's supposed to come up and quick throw everything on and, you know, then they head on down the tracks. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so we're, we're sitting around, we're just waiting for the train. Um, it was due any, you know, no real time schedule on that one. It's just whenever they get there. So we're sitting around, you know, we'd changed our clothes and everything was ready. And my brother, my cousin, myself, a bunch of the, and probably three or four of the rafting guides, we're just sitting around on some logs, you know, chit chat and reminiscing on the, on the run. And, oh man, that rapids was great and all that. And I stood up and I got super lightheaded. I mean, just more than I'd ever had. And I remember saying, uh-oh. You know, I stood up and I went, uh-oh. 
And that was the last thing I remember. Hmm. Next thing I remember, I was, I opened my eyes and I was laying on my back and I was being jostled around and one of the rafting guides was above me and I was like, hey, what's going on? And they're like, well, we're carrying you across the river to catch the helicopter. And I'm like, oh, cool. Not really <laughs> comprehending any of yeah. it. But, but that was, I mean, you know, it's interesting when, when we talk about it. It's like I have my version and then I, there's the version that everybody else experienced. Because mm-hmm. I literally was, you know, I, I remember passing out and I remember or I remember that last second of and then waking up and that I don't have any recollect personal recollection in between that. But then, you know, having the conversation with, you know, my brother and cousin and all the rafting crew and everything afterwards, the story kind of came together and and that's where it, it got really interesting. So hmm. Well, we should have had them on then. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I, one, one of the most interesting aspects of this whole thing has been going back. So I've been back, my wife and I have been back twice now to Durango to meet with all of, you know, the crew that saved my life effectively, which we'll get to. But, you know, the interesting part has been piecing all their stories together. Mm. And my wife made an observation at one point. She said, you know, it's interesting how... You know, you could have 10 people witness the exact same thing and every one of them will have a different version of, you mm-hmm. know, you know, because they're coming from it from their perspective. Mm-hmm. And it is really interesting, you know, when we had these conversations and a lot of them were like in a group setting where they're all there and, you know, they hadn't really had the opportunity to kind of gather and talk through it either. So, yeah. hmm. you know, they're all kind of playing off each other. Oh, remember? No, that was no, that was this. Yeah. OK. You know, hmm. so. But anyway, so the compiled, the compilation of experiences basically was, you know, I stood up and passed out, fell like a tree straight back, hit my head on the log that I had just stood up from. Oh, my gosh. And my cousin to this day says the sound that that made, you know, haunts him. Yeah. (laughs) But so fell back, hit my head. And my heart stopped. Hmm. And a bunch of the, you know, like I said, a bunch of the river guides were right there. My brother, my cousin, they all jumped up and, you know, starting to kind of, okay, what's going on? They're worried about my head. You know, they're not sure what's, you know, they realize my heart's not beating. And they're, they, you know, from what I could tell, they spent maybe 15, 20 seconds trying to figure it out. And two of them just said, well, whatever, we're going to start CPR, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the guide from our raft for the whole trip, uh, young guy, California-born. I mean, he's your typical California. He's <laughs> blonde hair, blue eyes, yeah. you know, long blonde hair, great kid. Um, he jumps on, starts doing compressions. And then one of the other guys uh, jumps and starts doing, you know, the mouth-to-mouth. So they went for, I think they went for about seven minutes um, before, you know, kind of they got, they were tired. And then second crew came in, two, of the, two more of the river guides came in. Uh, somewhere in there, when the second crew was on, the train shows up. And the engineer on the train, 22-year-old young lady, just happened to be a an EMT in a past life. She's hmm. only 22. Wow. She's yeah. already got a past life. Wow. So she jumps off the train and 
you know, initially she's like upset. It's like, why isn't everybody standing here ready to throw equipment in? Mm-hmm. You know, and sees everybody huddled around, you know, not far from the train. So she gets down, they, they let her know what's going on. So she hollers back to the, the other engineer and says, hey, grab the AED. And she comes over. Um, sorry, that's like one of those portable defibrillator oh, yeah, devices. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so it comes in a little box. Yeah. And so she walks up and... <laughs> this part was kind of funny when you know, were telling about it because you know she said she walked up and here was this guy laying on the ground probably you know 14 shades of gray mm. and the guys said to her hey we think we think he's coming back and she said she said i looked down and i said guys this guy's dead get mm. out of my way <laughs> <laughs> so she jumps in the guys are still doing cpr you know and she hooks up the aed she takes over part of the compressions as well um hits me with this hits me with the aed nothing they keep compressions hits me again with the aed nothing finally on the third time she hits me with the aed and my heart starts again so this was about 17 minutes total time from when I went down to when my heart started again. Hmm. So um, that point, you know, there was like, well, how are we getting them out of here? Do we put them on the train? And they're like, no, we can't do that. My brother actually was kind of the, he's like, no, we're not doing a train thing. Get a helicopter in here. So they flew a helicopter in, which that was a whole different ordeal from from what I understand. You know, we had like, uh, you know, some like ultra high end pilot flying in under power lines and all kinds of stuff Whoa. to get in there. It was like bizarre. Um, and then so they carried me across the river where we pulled out was actually an old power plant on the river, the Tacoma power plant. And there was a bridge across the river there and there was a flat spot over by the power plant for the helicopter. But like I said, some power lines. Wow. Not energized, I don't think, but just wires. Sure. Oh, yeah. Still kind of mess up a helicopter. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they carried me across the river, you know, got me on the helicopter eventually and, you know, flew me to Durango hospital memorial hospital and and it's like you said at some point earlier that you that you woke up and said something while they were taking you to the helicopter yeah so it was actually we were on the bridge when we were we were going over the bridge when i finally came conscious so from what i gathered you know from what they were saying when when my heart started you know everybody just cheered and you know because i mean it was literally like you know, 17 minutes and God, yeah. I can't, thankful they kept going right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at this point. But then when I woke up and was in one of the river guy, the rafting guides was the guy over me. And, you know, when I, when I said, Hey, what's going on? And they all kind of were like cheering again. Wow, like, hey, yeah. He's really here. Wow. They did. Uh, we got on the other side and my short term memory was fried. And I don't know if it was, you know, from being down for that long, or they say that when you get hit with a with a defibrillator like that, that'll kind of scramble your hmm. your noodle a little bit hmm. as well. So I know my short term memory was, you know, and there's all kinds of funny stories about that too. <laughs> but yeah, so it was fried. So I have like very short vignettes or snippets of memory, gotcha. kind of between hey, really from the point of waking up to you know even coming home on you know a few days later but you know i remember 
Kyla, the engineer from the train, um, she was running me through some 20 questions. Like, you know, I, I do remember these. It was funny that I remember <laughs> them. It's like she said, all right, do you know what year it is? And I remember thinking, mm, nope, no idea. She goes, do you know who the president is? I'm like, nope, not a clue. You know, <laughs> wow. and then she points to my brother who was standing right next to me. And she said, well, you know who this guy is? And I look up, so, oh, yeah, it's my brother. And he's like, all right, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> he knows that we're all right. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, so that was fun. We did, I guess we played a couple games of that over Mm -hmm. the next few minutes. But, you know, she said when it was the thing. So for me, it was really weird because all I remember is I remember going down. I remember waking up. Mm -hmm. Right. So not a big deal for me. But, you know, what the rest of them experienced, you know, during that time period has really been kind of the the remarkable Mm part of the story and you know some of the some of the individual accounts and how it affected their their lives was was really the you know yeah some of the the most interesting of everything for sure yeah i want to get into that but right before we do that though you you pretty much answered one question that I was going to ask, um, but uh, I'll, I'll ask a, something a little bit different from a different angle. I was going to ask you if you remembered anything, you know, during the time they were trying to revive you, and, you know, clearly you said no. Um, how do you feel about that when you hear about people that had uh, these close calls and they had these kinds of experiences? Do you feel like, oh, I, I missed out? Or, or, or what? do you have any feelings about that one way or the other? So, yeah. So it's interesting because everybody asked the question, right? Sure, yeah. Like, oh, did you see the white light? Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Or have, a, have one of those stories. And, yeah, you know, I, you know, I didn't. I, I honestly, I mean, I don't remember it. I mean, it might yeah. be part, you know, God may have said, hey, you know, we probably had a 17-minute conversation. He said, well, you're not going to remember this, you know. So. <laughs> I'll refresh your memory next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. I was talking with Dan Acosta, yeah. you know, and in, in, he's in our life group here. Okay. And I was telling him about it. And I was like, you know, it's, it was, you know, it didn't bother me, but it was, you know, something on my mind. Why didn't I? Yeah. And he said, well, from what I've experienced, and he's had some experience with this, I think with his military career and everything else, Hmm. he said, the people that need to have the experience do, Hmm. and those that don't, don't. Interesting. You know, general comment, not hard and fact, but, you know, that made sense to me because going in, I have a very, very good relationship, strong relationship with Jesus and, you know have no doubt where I'm going and, you know, all of that. So I, my salvation was not in question, you mm-hmm. know. And I've actually gone on, like, the Internet and looked up other people's stories just trying to kind of check. And there was only one. The other part about the whole 17 minutes is another another aspect of, you know, kind of the miracle of this whole thing. But I've, I went on and I found one other person that had a woman that had gone kayaking went over a falls and then got forced to the bottom and Mm. kind of in the tumblers of the falls and was held there for like 30 minutes and then finally spit her out and they were able to resuscitate her and she did have this big you know amazing experience that she talked about yeah i remember hearing about that one but you know it was funny in but it was it held perfectly true to what dan said because even after having that experience, she still wasn't, you know, she was thought, oh, there's something else out there and things mm-hmm. like that. It wasn't like, you yeah. know, God, <laughs> yeah. you know, I had a conversation with God, mm-hmm. which I felt 
you know, I felt bad for her. I'm unfortunate mm-hmm. to yeah. have that experience. But so from my perspective, I'm comfortable with, you know, not having, you know, had that, mm-hmm. uh, the white light experience or, you know, out of body, but, uh, would have been fun, yeah. <laughs> but so, but you do, but you do find yourself now in this interesting position of. It almost sounds like, from your perspective, you're you're like a you have this front row seat to these other stories now that you've heard about. That you are just kind of the common pivot point, but uh, there's some interesting things that you've learned that just were went on with other people that were around you. So tell me about you know uh, those that were with you. Uh, you said your brother, cousin, the train conductor, anybody else involved that that yeah. has a something that comes to mind that's memorable to you about how they were impacted. Yeah, it. Uh, I mean, the whole impact of. You know, the experience, like I said, being down for 17 minutes, I didn't really fathom, you know, what that what that meant, but have since, you know, been told by many folks, you know, a lot of medical professionals and that. In fact, my cardiologist, when I got back to Phoenix, actually walked in the room and said, I need to hug this guy. Uh, apparently, people just don't come back from that. You know, effectively, she told me you were dead for 17 minutes and you came back. Mm. And she said, and you have no mental Right. you know, impairment or anything. She said people who go down for one minute or two minutes can have mental impairment, you know. So, and, you know, we can, the guys did a great job, you know, they did. But, you know, I think everybody realized that it was, God played a huge role in, in all of this. There was mm-hmm. no way this happens, you know, without that. And all of the guys realized that, you know, mm-hmm. that, and, and they realized it pretty quickly. Um, the one, so... Nickel, the first guy to jump on the compressions, California kid, great kid. Um, all the guys came, most of the guys came and visited me in the hospital on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So this happened on a Sunday, sorry. Happened on a Sunday, you know, probably started around 3 p.m. I don't know, in my timeline from there, you sure. know, with my short from there. <laughs> totally right. There's some funny stories in there, too. We'll maybe touch on some of those. But, um so Nickel was, you know, probably 21, 22 at the time. Um, they showed, they all showed up, all the guys. They're all, ah, how you doing? Nickel walked in the room. He was crying from the mm-hmm. minute he walked in the room to the minute he walked out. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole time he just, you know, he just. I've got a picture of all of us in the in the room, and you know, mm-hmm. he's crying. Mm-hmm. And you know, I had a chance to talk to him after when the first time we went back in October. Um, of that year so my wife and i this happened in july we went back in october to meet up with all of them and yeah i mean he said as he was giving me the compressions he could feel on every compression the cartilage snapping in my rib cage yes so every compression he he heard crack 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 and, and and he says he still hears it so I mean he's you know he's got PTSD. He bought a dog, a puppy the next day. The next morning mm-hmm. he went and bought a puppy. He says that puppy hasn't left him since. So mm-hmm. you know really impacted him. But once we kind of reconnected, he said, and you being able to see the results of what you know you know I had a I had another grandchild you know after that you know that mm-hmm. September between the event and seeing them and you know I would have never had that. Mm-hmm. Um, experience or seeing that grandchild and being able to relay that to him and and 
expressed to him how God had used him in this and how mm-hmm. miraculous it was, you know, for him. Um, you know, the other guys, hell, had very similar, you know, they've come to me and said, man, this experience just, you know, changed my life in this way or that way. Probably the most um, significant that for me and and for her was Kyla. So and that was the um, she was the engineer from the train. Okay, yeah. Um, it was funny. It was like two weeks after the thing, it all happened, or it was the second week after. Sometime that second week, I was I was at home, and I had been communicating with a couple of the guys, the rafting guys, and I'd gotten. I didn't know who she was. I didn't have any contact information, so I'd asked one of them to, "Can you get me her number? I want to reach out to her." So I did. They got me a number, and I. It took me a couple of days. I really was like, "How do you, you know, how do I reach out to this person? I just want to connect." So I so finally I sent her a text. I said, "Hi, Kyla. This is Drew. I'm the guy you, life you saved, and you know, I just wanted to tell you, you know, what an angel you are. That mm. and you know, and all that." And she texts me back like. Two minutes later, and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad to hear from you. I've been wondering how you're doing, you know, because I didn't realize it. I mean, none of them knew, you know, how things fared afterwards. In fact, she didn't know after she left, after I flew away. Mm-hmm. So there was no, you know, she had no follow up. So she sends me a note back and says, oh, I'm so excited. Yes, I can't wait to meet you. And and that, and you know, when we get together, then I can tell you how you saved my life too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So I read this in a text and I'm, you know, I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> is that like, you know, oh, you saved my life. I would, I had a bad, you know, I was supposed to go on a date that night and I got out of it because of it or, you know, kind of thing. So I was, you know, I'm like, I showed my wife, I'm like, what do you make of this? And she's mm. like, oh yeah, you get, definitely got to talk to her. So we scheduled some time, you know, she's, she's working all the time on the, you know, with the train, her schedule was crazy. So I was you know, trying to find time and, and we finally found a time. It was early Sunday morning, like seven o'clock on a Sunday morning. Um, I was actually up in Flagstaff at my son's house and went out on the front porch with a cup of coffee and, you know, we, we connected and we were just, you know, chit chatting for a few minutes. And finally I was like, you know, I said, you know, when I first texted you, you know, you responded back uh, something. And, you know, I I really wanted to ask you about that. She goes, yeah, I know. Mm. So she uh, so she regaled her story to me kind of from her perspective. She after everything had happened, you know, she told me the helicopter took off. She had to go get back on the train she runs the train and has to take you know the everybody back you know further down the tracks so she gets in the gets in the train they get everything loaded up and they get going down the and it's like another 25 30 minutes to the next stop you know where they let some folks off and she said she was in the in the cab of the engine and with the other engineer and she said it hit it the enormity of what had just happened just really hit her and she said she and she started crying she said she was just she was sobbing and the other engineers like are you okay she's like yeah i'm great (laughs) and what had happened was before she arrived at the site where i was at she was they were on their way down from silverton 
she had just, her boyfriend of a year and a half had just broken up with her. She was in a really bad place. Um, and she was actually planning her suicide on, mm. on the train, on mm. the trip down to the, the site. Wow. And then gets there, obviously, and everything transpires. And when she got back on the train afterwards, she realized God had just reached out and said, mm. you know, you are you are my special instrument and you know i've got plans for you and mm. and that's where she just broke down she's you know and and it, she's telling me the story work she's crying i'm crying i mean it's you know it was <laughs> yeah it was so emotional sure. and, but it you know it was so it was just so special and i told her i said well I have no idea why this happened, why God chose me to do this. But, you know, if the only reason for this whole thing to happen was, you know, for that, you know, was for you to experience that, then I'll do it again. Mm. No, my wife said, no, you won't. <laughs> she said, once is enough. But, so, but yeah, so it's just, you know, that was, that's, the most special for me, mm-hmm. you know, and we've gone become really close with her, kind of almost oh, like in it, like her and Nickel, those two is like we've almost adopted them as you know, oh wow, as other yeah. children that's in great. that, and uh, so that's been you know that's been really cool. And there's twelve total. I mean, this this was like a big group, so it's like we have this whole separate family, or second yeah. family up in Durango right now. Wow. You know, it's. Um, yeah, eleven rafting guides and and Kyla. So, wow. it's amazing. But wow. yeah, it's pretty mm. neat. So, mm. well, um, I'm just kind of take a weird left turn because uh, you alluded to this and that we could come back to it. So tell me now that we've talked about the really heavy, amazing thing. <laughs> tell me something goofy you said, like, <laughs> or something weird and funny that that went on when your short term memory was shot. So yeah, so, okay, so. <laughs> One was the faux pas, and it, you know, my wife was back here, Gail. Yeah. She's back here. Um, so, you know, we, we all flew up there, and we were supposed to fly back. So she's here. We're in the hospital. My brother's, you know, basically running point. My cousin and his son actually had to catch a We, we were all supposed to catch a flight that night, so they ended up catching a flight back home. And then my brother stayed. So he's, you know, my short-term memory, literally, I, and I don't remember any of this obviously but it was it was funny because apparently i would like ask my brother so what's going on why am i here what happened (laughs) so he would go through the whole story you know you fell down hit your head you know cpr train you know defibrillator helicopter all that and like five minutes later it'd say dude, why am I here? <laughs> what happened? So he said after, you know, probably oh, seven, eight, nine, ten times of regaling me of this oh, whole thing gosh. that started to get shorter and shorter. Yeah. <laughs> so by the time I actually retained anything memory wise, all I remember was I stood up, I passed out and I hit my head. Mm. That was it. Yeah. And that's all I, you know, remember. Yeah. <laughs> so later that night, so still Sunday night, you know, he, he asked me, he says, Hey, do you want me to have Gail fly up here? And I'm like, oh, I fell over and hit my head. Nah, we're good. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so that's what I remember. That's what I tell him. It's like, no, we're good, you know. So I didn't think anything else of it. The next day, um, you know, they they took me in for an angiogram. It was 
this was part of the you know whole medical side of this thing and anyway so we had some tests and all that and then i think he's he asked me the next day or i talked to her the next day or was texting with her and you know nothing still yeah. there wasn't any like clear communication of what had transpired to her at this mm-hmm. point finally on tuesday the second day the article in the Durango Herald came out with a picture of the helicopter and man nearly dies on river as the title kind of thing <laughs> gets through family members to my wife oh, and she's no. like all of a sudden I get the call she goes what do you mean you almost died <laughs> oh my god so then I you know I look at my brother I'm like did, have you told Gail anything yet? And he's like, no, not yet. And I'm like, uh oh. Yeah. So yeah, we were both in the doghouse you know, for that. When we when we finally flew home on Wednesday, we got off the plane, and and her and my daughter and her husband picked us up at the airport. I, she couldn't even. I mean, it was like she was so mad at us, but so glad we were there. Her emotions were like, you know, she went. She couldn't even hardly look at me, and, and then she started hollering at me there. You never do that again. I mean, oh my you know, gosh. But. Um, yeah, I felt terrible. And I felt bad for my brother because he was just, he was trying to protect her. And, yeah. you know, he didn't really know. The other part that was kind of, that went a little sideways on that one was he did tell my son um, kind of what was going on. And then they decided, you know, should you, so they didn't really fill in my wife either mm. right away. So, yeah, she was a, it was just a bad scene. We made a pact. We made a, we made a pact. Anytime anything like this ever happens again, God forbid that yeah. you know you know be full disclosure from the from the beginning. But, yeah. So yeah. So that one was that one was a little crazy. Um, one of the things that was kind of weird was that she mentioned is the day that it happened that Sunday afternoon. She was sitting around the house, and we have two Australian shepherds, and. At this time, it was before pre-COVID, so I was, you know, I would go to work every day, you know, downtown, and I would come home. And she has, we have this app on our phones, the Life 360 app, so mm-hmm. you can track where everybody's at by their mm-hmm. phone, right? Well, as soon as I would, like, get close to the gate, her phone, she had a setting set that would go ding, and then she would say, oh, dad's home. And the dogs would run to the window in the front. And, my, and the one dog would stick his nose through the, through the uh, blinds and just stare out until my car pulled in the driveway. And then they would hmm. run around. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she said, it was like Sunday afternoon, similar time frame. We can't completely nail down the time. But she said it was just so weird because all of a sudden, Decker, the dog just got up and ran to the front window and just stuck his nose in the blinds. Hmm. And that's the only time he would ever do it. She said, other oh, time he'd bark at the door and everything. Yeah. And she said he stuck his nose in the blinds and just stared. She's like, Decker, dad's not home. Dad's not coming. You know, he's yeah. he's not, that's not him. So she said it was just really weird. It's kind of that yeah, same time. She's like, I don't know, maybe you were there. <laughs> but. <clears throat> wow. So. Man, interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I can only imagine. I mean, well, I had I had two more questions. I'm gonna I, I want to keep them open ended, so I'm gonna kind of combine them into one and just leave it kind of open ended. But I, I would think that something like this is just such a major uh, thing that kind of splits your personal life calendar in half, right? You know, and so I'm I'm curious if uh, kind of what your relationship like God was like 
beforehand that maybe something about it is different and kind of on on along the same lines do you wonder or suspect or or maybe f- uh, feel like you have clarity on anything that God might specifically be calling to you now in this this second half of your life that's kind of like having been given this second you know chance as it were yeah um probably one of the I, I frankly I struggled with that a little bit right afterwards because it wasn't your you know, kind of your typical, you know, near death experience where, you know, I didn't have any like chest pains, like, oh my gosh, I'm dying kind of feelings. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't have that scare factor beforehand. And the fact that I just kind of passed out and woke up, you know, was, that was my experience personally. It's kind of like, you know, I didn't, I didn't understand the magnitude of the whole thing for Mm -hmm. some time, you know, having taught, you know, I had to actually, experience it through others you know uh, testimonies about it and so it was a little bit of a you know i mean i understood in theory what it was it was a miracle you know mm-hmm. so the question was okay god why me mm-hmm. you know what do you you know what am i supposed to do with this um i had you know like i said I, my faith was really strong going into it so you know my faith coming out of it was as stronger, you know, as stronger, stronger, but it was more, I think it was more around focus on what I should be doing hmm. and, and where, I don't know, this one's, this one's even almost some, sometimes hard to express of <clears throat> where I am in this, you know, uh, cosmic timeline Mm. you know one of the one of my realizations that came very clear is i'm already living in eternity so Mm -hmm. having you know when when you die and come back it's kind of like okay um which is kind of cool you know it gives me a very different perspective um that when i do finally die i'm just going to a different place you know i'm just going to heaven so that transition point um, became less of an issue for me. So having already died, maybe, so maybe I'm not as afraid of it, or I don't know how to really express that. Um, but the other thing probably that <clears throat> I've come to uh, realize is I think God has a bigger plan, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, Dave, you turned me on to, you know, the Matthew... Barnett's. Barnett's book, yeah. you know, a cause the call with call, the, cause within you, the cause within you, and you know the one thing about you know reading through that is you know he's got a big plan for everybody, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> so I think it's you know, but the other thing too is it's in his time, right? Yeah. So the other thing I struggle with is okay, what should I be doing? I, you know, should I be doing something right now? Am I wasting my time? You know, in mm. that, but I think that book actually helped me to realize you know it's in God's time and. You know, just be ready for it, but don't, you know, try and pre... Orchestrate it. Yeah, don't try and orchestrate it. Just wait for it to come. So I think that's helped me in probably the last, you know, the last Mm. six months to a year. I've been much more at peace with, you know, there's something else coming. Mm. I'm confident in that. Um, And I don't know what that could be. I mean, I, I don't feel like that, you know, I'm like supposed to be a pastor that's not something that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from that perspective but i don't you know i don't know um what that is but i think he's i am 
you know, continually being tested in different areas of my life. So I think that's, you know, preparing, you know, kind of that preparation for things to come, you know. Well, and even still, like, like you said about, you know, the, the interaction with the train conductor. I mean, even that, the way God used that and you said, Hey, I'd go through this all over again. Right. If it was just to impact her in that way. And so I think sometimes we think, Hey, I got to figure out because I made it through this, like what my purpose is, you know, obviously the Lord used you in magnificent ways in a plethora of different avenues for all 11 people there. I mean, even in that moment, wow, to have for God to use you and for you to listen to the spirit in that moment to say, I need to reach out. You know, a lot of people could have said, Hey, I'm alive. This is great. I'm going on. But for you to take those extra steps to engage with those other, other individuals and like, wow, how did this impact them? And that God has a bigger story for them. And like, I want them to understand that. And like to see that the ripple effects of that, like, are probably vast beyond what you'll ever understand. So even as you're trying to figure out what is God calling me to in this next season, like he's already done like amazing things through you and will continue probably through all those relationships. So, which is, I think it's just like amazing. Yeah. Like yeah. when you see the way God uses relationships to just continue a miracle to keep going. I mean, it's cause that's obvious. Like it just, it didn't stop at that moment. Like, yeah. like you said, it's an eternal blessing. That's just, that's just the ripple effects are amazing. So yeah. I just think I, I, this is the second time I got to hear the story. So like, it's awesome. The second time around, like, it's just, it's so cool. Like, thank you so much for sharing this with us, Drew. It's yeah. Awesome. And those relationships are actually, you know, it's kind of fun to see, you know, kind of where are they going? So Kyla went back to school, you know, she was an EMT, which, the EMT is kind of the ambulance drivers. They but they can't do a, a lot, mm-hmm. and then but she wanted to go back to school because the paramedics that got off the helicopter, you know, and helicopter paramedics apparently are like the special forces of paramedics, right? They're the serious ones, and and that, and just kind of being in that situation, and you know, you know, basically saving my life inspired her to go back. So she went back to school to become a paramedic hmm. and she just graduated in May. In fact, we went up to Durango, you know, That's to awesome. celebrate her graduation and, and now she's met another guy. They're getting married next, you know, a year, you know, like a year from next month. Hmm. Um, one of the guys, the gentleman that first gave me mouth to mouth, Don, hmm. uh, he and his um, fiance, are both going back to school now to be nurses. They're going to nursing school. And I just got a letter from them this summer asking if I would be the efficient uh, at their wedding next oh, July. Hmm. So, so I cool. actually got one of those online certifications, certifications <laughs> a couple of years ago for my daughter. And that was, that was a weird scenario. But, um, so yeah, so I got that. I had that and they, they want me to, to marry them because of, you know, the relationship that we have now, which I'm super excited about. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, I guess overall, I mean, I just, it's just humbling, mm-hmm. you know, to, you know, 
that he chose me to do that for first, yeah. you know, which I don't know was it, why was I don't know if I was deserving of it or what his mm-hmm. purpose is, but it's his plan. I've I've come to grips. He's got a plan, and I'm not going to try and second guess it. And mm-hmm. you know, from that perspective, but you know, do you say you know commitment? You know what? Um, just really to focus on being the person that he wants me to be, mm-hmm. right? You know, we talked a little bit, you know, there's, you know, the last couple of years have been really, you know, tumultuous with a lot of the cultural things going on, a lot of the political things going on. And, you know, all of that was really kind of disturbing just from all of the dissent and, you know, bitterness that was around. And, you know, at one point, I don't know, he helped me to understand that, you know, there's three things that are important, you know, love God, love your neighbor as yourself and share the, share the gospel. Hmm. And, you know, if you just focus on those three, everything else kind of falls in the line as, as far as importance. And that's helped. You know, I, that has since since the, I don't even know how to describe it. It's funny. People are like, what is it? The incident? The episode? <laughs> the event? The, the event? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, you know, it's, it. <laughs> I don't even, yeah. But it, since then, you know, I have been able to really understand and comprehend kind of what the peace that God wants for us and, Mm. you know, to help me to deal with the things that, you know, before I thought, you know, were pretty critical. And now I'm like, well, that's just, that's just so inconsequential to even worry about. So, Mm. you know, so yeah, to attain that, you know, God's perfect peace would be, you know, that would be the ultimate goal because then (laughs) you wouldn't worry about anything around here. But it was funny where our life group is doing, is going through the the truth project. Oh yeah. And at the end of the first, first video, there was a question and it just like, literally like I sat back in my chair after I saw it, I was like, wow, it was, you know, if, um, do you really believe that what you believe is really real? Mm. And I thought I sat back and thought about that. And went, wow, how profound! You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, if you really believe that heaven is what you know, what they, what we think it is, mm-hmm. and that being with God is going to be as amazing, then why do we fear death, mm-hmm. right? So it's you know, even as Christians, we still fear you know dying and leaving this world. But if it's going to be so much better. You know, in the other place, that's kind of. It was funny. One of the things is like, I don't, I don't fear death, but I have to keep myself from wanting to go. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, sure. all right, I'm ready. Let's go. We're, mm. You know, what's next? But mm. so, well, I imagine that you've gone over these details and told these stories many, many times. But like, I really, really appreciate the chance to hear it myself and for us to record this and share it with, you know, our church family and anybody else that wants to listen. So, Drew, thank you very, very much for taking time out to do this. Yeah, thank you. It's been great. Thanks. All right. Well, you don't hear that kind of story every day, at least not from somebody you know. I mean, you can. those are like, that's like an internet type story. That's like that, oh yeah, there was this guy on the news that right. you hear about, Absolutely. but you don't get to usually talk to somebody firsthand. And you guys listening didn't either, so ha ha ha, keep yeah. looking <laughs> for your person that you can talk to. <laughs> but that was, um, yeah, that was something. What uh, Maybe what's something that just bubbles to the surface about that conversation as you think about it? Yeah, I was, I was fortunate enough to hear the mini version over lunch with drew uh months ago and i was like man this is a story that just 
needs to be shared. Because, mm. uh, like you said, Peter, you don't hear stories like that all the time. Like yeah. you hear about them, or you watch some Dateline show on them, or something like yeah. that. So, I think the thing that's just stood out to me the most is how the Lord just uses situations um, in grander ways than we could ever imagine. And so there were so many splinter or ripple stories that came out of Drew's story that continue, uh, that God continues to use to, to bring glory to his name. And uh, it's just so cool to hear Drew um, just be obedient. Yeah. To that. So that was one of the things I think that just really stood out to me was Drew's obedience um, and humbleness of God's calling upon his life and desire to follow him more and just how a situation, sometimes God puts us in these wild situations to bring glory to him and how it can be so transformative to strangers' lives. And the mission field is kind of where you are. Yeah. So it's not necessarily in a foreign country, but. It could be on the banks of uh, a river in Durango. Yeah. Uh, and, and how we should just be just aware, open to those opportunities. Yeah. So I'd say that stood out to me. Yeah, very similar to me. I mean, of course, like the this the part of the story about, uh, I believe your name was Kyla, is that right? Yeah. The, the train uh, director. And, uh, um, and of course, you know, uh, with what she was contemplating and planning and stuff, you know, and then the the, the sharp turn that took. But what was uh, equally impactful and interesting to me about that is the the connection that he maintained with her and with yeah. the others that were involved, and and the um, the opportunity he's had now to invest in these people's lives that he never would have had before. Right. And I think, as you said, you know, there's like these ripple effects that I think we're not aware of that, uh, you know, there are people that, that are in my life and in your life that you didn't have this like close call with. That's not the thing that binds you. But there's something else that has brought you to this point yeah. where you have these people in your life that you can invest in and that you can love and that, that your words have, for whatever reason, have some weight in their, in their lives. And so I think... Uh, to see that as um, amazing, even when it's not brought about by what we would call amazing circumstances, right. I think is, is kind of a takeaway, you know, that, that I see coming from, from this story. So, um, yeah, that was great. And that is it for this episode of the Red Mountain Community Church podcast. You can follow Red Mountain Community Church on Instagram and Facebook, where you can also leave us comments and suggestions to help make the show better. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening so you don't miss out on the next episode, which is going to be amazing. I actually have no idea what's happening on the next episode, but uh, but I'm, I'm pretty sure but it's it going to be. But it will be amazing. I'm, I'm pretty sure. In the meantime, I'm Peter Franson, and who are you? Uh, Dave Amy. <laughs> I forgot to, sorry folks, I forgot to, sorry. to prep him before. <laughs> Dang it, Sometimes Peter. I forget my name. No, it's like I, short I term dropped the ball. I was supposed to go over like, see, I have this right here, co-host and I'm blank. And I was going to remind, I'm sorry. Failure once again, everybody. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on Sunday. So do you have like a thing in your head about the uh, interview? Uh, I can come up with something. No, I, it was just more. Well, no, of, don't say it yet. Uh, okay. I'm just asking if you have it in your head. Uh, there's something in there. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. If not, I have short term like Drew, and I'll just be like, I don't know. Are we? Are we? Are we running over there? Are you? We're good. Yeah, that's, that's a good thing to throw at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I had some Peter, but I lost it like Drew. <laughs>